read from 1 Corinthians 11. And I know, Brian, that's different than I told you up there, but I'm just going to read you this passage. This is, them, this is recounting the Last Supper. And I want you to just hear this, and then I want to talk to you about a few things, and I won't keep you real long because I know it's going late. But I feel like God has laid some things on my heart, and I do want to share with you this morning. So 1 Corinthians 11, starting at verse 23. It says this, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said this. He gave them the bread. He said, this is my body, for which, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is now the covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Verse 26, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. Before I get into what I want to talk about, I just want to clarify something so everybody's comfortable, everybody knows where we're going this morning. Everyone here, if you've stepped across the line of faith, if Jesus is your personal Lord and Savior and you have a relationship with him, we want you to join with us and take communion. But it's completely up to you. If for any reason you don't feel comfortable, you don't want to, you don't have to partake, nobody's going to look at you funny, nobody's going to look at you cross-eyed, it's perfectly fine to do whatever you feel like you need to do. A couple of very, very important things in this passage that I want to clarify, so there's, and we could go on and on about it, but it talks very clearly that the Lord's Supper or communion is a sobering thing or it's a, it's a serious deal. It says we shouldn't take it unworthy. And here's what that passage means to me. And we could go on to explain a whole bunch of things. Um, And I've had people talk to me and say, you know what, I've never took communion because I've never felt like I'm worthy. And I want to just say this. None of us are worthy. None of us are worthy. It is only who we are in Jesus that we're worthy to partake of this and to remember. But I would say this. It's a meal. It's like a meal. And have you ever been to a lunch or a dinner or any type of a meal when the person across the table from you is someone that you're not getting along with or that you're fighting with or there's something that is intensely wrong with your relationship? Or you've had one of those meetings when you sit down with someone and you know that there's things between you and them and that meal and that, that interchange and that connection becomes very, very awkward and becomes a, kind of a weird deal. That's what he's talking about. He's saying, listen, if there's something between you and your heavenly father, if there's unconfessed sin or there's something that's standing in the way, then you need to deal with that because otherwise it's going to be a very awkward meal. And you need to have that relationship cleaned up and where it needs to be before you partake. So that's what it's talking about here. I'm going to talk to you, and we're going to come back here in just just a minute. I want to start out with this question. Have you ever been extremely hungry? And I'm talking physically hungry. Like so hungry, it consumes you. So hungry that you would almost do anything to eat. Some of you have been. Maybe some of you haven't been. If you haven't been, you should be at some point in your life. But if any of you have ever fasted for an extended period of time and you get into day two, three, four, sometimes five, you become so hungry 
right? That it's just like, it's just this, you're just starving. Or if you've done something like, like uh, this is a little bit a different type of hunger, but we've already spent several days on the Appalachian Trail. And when we go on the Appalachian Trail, we usually pack pretty light and it's not really great food. It's dried food and it's all shriveled up in packs and you heat it up and it's kind of semi-good and it gives you nourishment. By the end of three or four days on the AT or on the Appalachian Trail, you're hungry. And almost anything, pizza, hot dogs, anything, just sounds really good, quarter pounded with cheese, and you're just hungry, you're starving. And here's what I've found in those circumstances almost every time. At the end of an extended fast or at the end of a period when I know that I'm just starving, I'm so looking forward, so looking forward to this first meal. And it's like it's just you're obsessed with it and you think about it and your, your mouth just kind of, you know, just like curls up and kind of, you know, you just can't wait. As you sit down at the meal and it's good, but it's just not quite as good as what you thought it was going to be. Every time. And you never can eat as much as you imagined you were going to eat because you just fill up. Well, here's another question. Have you ever noticed, have you ever paid attention to the reality that you have a hunger that's deeper and more profound than a physical hunger? That there's this this longing for, that there's this hunger inside of you emotionally, spiritually, intellectually, that, that there's just this hole. And that you and everyone around you, whether you admit it or not, or whether you're, you're conscious of it or not, are constantly trying to fill that hunger. You're constantly trying to fill that void. And you do this, and we do all different things, don't we? We do relationships, we do careers, we do hobbies, uh, we do sports, we do all these things, all these activities, and sometimes we get incredibly busy. And at the end of the day, if we're honest, and we'd sit down and we would pause and we would relax, I think for most of us, we would admit the same thing I just admitted about eating physically, that it's just... It's just not quite as good as we thought it was going to be. And I got the car, and I got the house, and I got the girl, and I got the kids, and we've got the place, and I've got a good job. But I'm still hungry. There's still something missing. Well, very quickly, I want to take you through this outline. Jesus in John chapter 6, starts to say the most insane things. And if you would have been, if Jesus would come here today, and it would be that type of setting, and he would say the things that he said in chapter 6, we would think that he's crazy. We would think he's completely off his rocker. We would be like, what is this guy talking about? But I want to walk you through this chapter and just pick out a, a couple of things, and then we're going to go into communion. Look what he says. The very first verse in the top of your outline, Jesus says this, I am the bread of life. Jesus says, listen, are you hungry? Is there something missing? He says, I'm the bread. I'm the bread of life. So what happens if we buy into that? What happens if you and I eat of the bread of life? 
What if we say, okay, Jesus, I believe you're the bread of life. I'm going to just, I don't know how else to say it. We're going to partake. If you say the bread, we're going we're gonna to have some. What happens? Very quickly. First thing that happens, according to Scripture, is if I partake, if I'm hungry and I eat the bread of life, number one, I am completely satisfied. I am completely satisfied. Look at what he says in verse 35. The last part of 35 is what we didn't read yet. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and who believes in me will never be thirsty. In other words, Jesus is saying this. Now, obviously, he's not talking about physical hunger and physical thirst, but what Jesus is saying is saying, listen, that hunger that you have inside of you, that part that's missing, you know, the part that you're always trying to grab, I'm the answer. And if you'll just trust me, if you'll give me your life, and you'll partake of me, and you'll feed on me, and communicate with me, and be a part of me, you'll never, ever, ever, ever be hungry again. I'm going to completely satisfy you. That pain that you feel, that loneliness that you feel, that sickness that you have, I'm the answer. I'm the answer. I'm everything. If you're hungry... I can satisfy you. If you're thirsty, I can satisfy you. I am everything in every situation that you will ever, ever, ever need. That's what he's saying. That's amazing. Jesus said, listen, you come to me. You you partake of me. You will never be hungry and thirsty ever again. Ever again. What happens secondly? If I'm hungry and I eat the bread of life, number two is I will live forever. And we know this. I'll live forever. But I mean, did you ever think about that? You'll have eternal life, not not a miserable eternal life, an incredible eternal life. Here's what he says in verse 51. He says, I am the living bread that comes down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. So you can either believe Jesus or choose not to believe him. But he says, listen, if you're a part of me, you'll live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. What does that mean to me right now if I'm going to live forever? What do you do? I'm going to live forever. Here's what it means for you and I. It means that everything that we go through right now and everything that we face and every circumstance that we're in and everything that we do is just practice for eternity. It means that life here on earth is fleeting. It means the circumstances that you're in right now are short in comparison to eternity. It means that if I had a rope and we could take the rope and we could stretch it out the door and down the hall and outside and to the road and 20 miles down the road, that would represent eternity. And my life on that rope would be just a dot. That's what that means. That means the best is yet to come. That means the victory has already been won. And there's hope in that. Thirdly, and here's where we're going to land this morning. This is so important. What does it mean? If I'm hungry and I eat the bread of life, number three, it means that I'm in a relationship. You know, on Facebook, you can check if something about if you're in a relationship. Well, if you have a Facebook account that represents this, you're in a relationship. You're in a relationship. You've been, you've been taken. 
You've been spoken for. Verse 56, it says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood. See, here's where he gets crazy. And, you, and if you were listening to Jesus, you'd be saying, now, wait a minute. He says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood. And you're like, what? That's what Jesus says. If you eat my flesh and eat my, drink my blood, you remain in me and I will remain in you. It means I'm in a relationship. It means I'm taken. It means I'm called for. It means I'm in this with someone. And then I had to think, if that's the reality, what does it take to be in a relationship? Very quickly. What does it take to be in a relationship? It takes communication. Isn't that one of the most important things or the most important thing when it comes to a relationship with any other person is communication? So what that tells me, number one, is we need to learn to speak to God. That is, we communicate to Him. We share with Him. We talk to Him. We pray to Him. We communicate back to Him. And see, that one there, although it's not easy, is easier to understand than the second one. And yet I think the second one is just as important, if not more important. Many of us speak to God. God will you. God can you. God come. God do this. How about the second one? Is not only in communication do we need to learn to speak, we need to learn to hear from our Heavenly Father. To hear from Him. And here's where it gets tricky. Here's where it gets very, very hard sometimes because I believe that God oftentimes doesn't speak to us the way that we think He should. And I think sometimes God doesn't speak to us in the way that we've been taught even, or we just haven't been taught in the way that we are looking for. And just so you can start thinking, here's what I want us to go today. I want you, as we partake of communion, and we remember what Jesus did, I want you, in this moment today, to have an attitude of God, what do you want to say to me? We've We've sang songs to you, Jesus. God, we've, we've prayed to you. Now, what do you want to say back to me? What is, not, not me, not the pastor, not anybody else. God, what do you want to say to me today? But before we do that, I want to talk to you just quickly about how does God communicate? How does God speak to your heart? How does God speak to your spirit? And I think here's where we miss it so often is, wouldn't it be great if we could just go in a room and pull up two chairs and sit down with God and he would just talk? That would be so awesome. I mean, it really would. Where we would just have a place, and at 9 o'clock every morning, I knew that if I went there, God would be just, he would, he would like literally be there. And I could ask him questions. And I could say, God, you know what? I just... This is going on. I don't know what I should do. And God would say, well, here's what I think you ought to do. Wouldn't that be awesome? See, the thing is, God doesn't communicate that way. And I don't know if I understand, or at least he doesn't to me, very seldom. In fact, I I could never say I've heard God's voice audibly. I wish I could. But God chooses not to communicate that way. And I think one of the reasons, I don't know all of the reasons, but I think all of the reasons is because one of the things that's so important to our Heavenly Father is that we're walking by faith. And it wouldn't take a lot of faith. But here's what I believe. And it's in your outline. 
I think God often speaks in a whisper. God often speaks in a whisper. In the busyness of life, in the noisiness of life, and what's going on in our lives, I think so often drown out the whispers from our Heavenly Father. And sometimes I think we need to just slow down. Instead of going 90 miles an hour, we need to just stop. And we need to just relax. And we need to just rest in God's presence. You know what I thought about doing this morning? I'm not going to do it because some of you would be wanting to get up and leave. As I thought about, what if we would just sit here as a group for 10 minutes in complete silence? Some of us would go crazy, right? Because we're so wired. We're so wired for activity, and we're so wired for noise, and we're so wired. And I thought, what if we just sit here for five minutes and just listen for the voice of our Heavenly Father. And for many of us, it would be very, very, very awkward. But I'm telling you that God often speaks in a whisper. And I believe that's why it's so hard for some of us sometimes to hear from our Heavenly Father. I want to read you a story real quick. Just a couple verses. This is about Elijah. And Elijah's hiding in a cave. He's running from... Uh, a wicked woman, and he's scared to death even after he had done some amazing things. But he ran for his life. God sent him to this cave. It was a big 40-day journey or something like that. And he's all shriveled up, and he's kind of depressed, and he's thinking everybody's against him, and the world's against him, and they're going to kill him and stuff. And so he's in this cave. Second, uh, 1 Kings 19, verse 11. It says, The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. I don't know about you, but if I was hiding, or if I heard the voice of God, and he said, listen, I want you to go stand over here because I'm about to come by. I don't know if we would be filled with fear, fear, but also like, wow, this is amazing. I'm going to go. I'm going to be scared, but I'm going to go. So he goes, and here's what happens. He says, then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. And you would think, yep, that's got to be God. Because he's a big, huge, powerful, mighty God. And I would imagine that's how he's going to show up. But the Lord was not in the wind. Wasn't in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And so Elijah's standing out there and like, look, God, I'm looking for you. I'm, I saw the incredible wind that almost, I thought I had to be you and you weren't there. There was this incredible earthquake show of power, and God, you weren't there. After the earthquake came fire. Another thing you would expect, yep, God's got to be in the fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And they talked. But God said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Whispered. He whispered. So my encouragement and my challenge is to you today as we take part of this. And there's all kinds of directions you can go in this. Yes, remember what Jesus did on the cross. Yes, thank him and come with a heart of gratitude and joy. 
But more than anything, what I would like for you to do this morning is to just take this moment and to say, God, thank you for our relationship, but I want to hear from you. I want to hear from you right now in this moment. I'll calm my spirit. I'll clear my mind. And instead of looking for you to speak in a loud, audible voice, God, I'm going to listen for the gentle, quiet whisper. And God, would you give me the courage and would you give me the ability to recognize that small, quiet voice? That's my encouragement to you. That's what I would like to see happen. Because I'm telling you, if we would be a church that would hear from God, if we would be a people that would learn to hear and recognize the whisper of our Heavenly Father, we would be different people. And we would be a different church, and we would be a different community, and we would have different marriages, and we would have different children. See, God wants you to walk by faith, not sight. And because of that principle, sometimes he speaks to us in quiet, subtle voices. We have to train ourselves and teach ourselves to hear that voice and to slow ourselves down. If you guys would stand.